this season on The Bachelorette Canada. Hello and welcome to the My Entertainment World podcast. We're back with a special episode all about Bachelorette Canada. Uh, we just had the men tell all this week and we're or at last night actually and we're heading into the finale this week in the yes. intense matchup between Kevin W and Mikkel. So we thought it'd be Yay. the perfect time to talk about this show. Um, I'm Kelly Bedard, managing editor of My Entertainment World as always and I'm here with a special guest who's a amazing actress from the Toronto theater community. She just finished an awesome run at Soul Pepper in a doll's house. So welcome Kat Gauthier. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to be talking about this crazy episode. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. Although I got to say my first comment, Kat, is that we've discussed previously how much you hate fake Chris Harrison on the Canadian version, but I thought he did a good job moderating mental law and calling Drew on his shit. Okay, absolutely. I'm like, I am the first to admit when I'm wrong. And I was like, what? What a change. The problem with Noah Cap is like, he's trying at times to be a bad version of Chris Harrison. Yeah. And he's, he's excellent, right? Like we can't, you can't replace Chris. He's created a format that works splendidly with the American version. And Noah Cap is something altogether different. I think he's goofier. I think he's maybe like more improv comedy and but I would but like so I'm like show that show us who you are you don't have to be Chris be Noah but I will admit that this men tell all I was like bravo like he kind of stepped up he was astute he was on the ball he totally uh I I felt like he did put Drew in his place I was like yep that's that's what we want to see yeah Generally, I I thought this was his best episode by far because you're absolutely right. Everything he's done from like his mannerisms to the literal lines he delivers, it's exactly like Chris Harrison. And I think we need our own host. Agreed. Especially because I am finding the franchise, the Canadian franchise is quite different. And I'm delighted by that. You know, obviously there's the, the obvious similarities but there's like something kind of distinctly canadian about our bachelor at canada which i've been delighted by so let's have noah kind of be his goofy because i've seen noah toast a bunch of other things and he's really funny he's really strange he's quirky in a way that that i think we would love to see so more of that noah we'll give you a round two but show us who you are no kidding and what other ways do you think that it compares to the American one and defers? Because I'm really impressed by, one, I think the caliber of the men is much higher, but that could be me being biased. Um, and I also think the travel think budget really is, is here. I No, I really, I mean, okay, obviously Drew's the worst and Andrew's a bust. <laughs> Uh, I didn't love JP, but there were, oh, like, no. seven guys this year who I was, like, really into. And usually there are, like, three if I'm lucky. I was pretty into JoJo's season. I'm not going to lie. There was a couple there that I was, like, a little bit gaga for in terms of... Really? Uh, yeah. Who? Like, the ones who chase. all look the same? I know. I get it. I get the... But maybe it's, like, they all look the same in the exact way that suited me. <laughs> but I was like, yes. Yes, JoJo. But, yeah, like, I, what I like about the Canadian men is, like, there is kind of a eloquence and a kindness to many of them that we see. Even, like... Drew stepped up in this mental. Of course, he's like the villain to end all villains other than Chad. But I did feel like he, you know, even the fact that he's like apologizing, at least he's trying, he's trying, even if it's fake, he's, he's attempting to be a good guy. I think 
or at least show that face. I don't I know. Because did you not think so? Well, okay, we're gonna get right into I'm, drama. I'm glad you brought up Chad because I have. Yes. I, I'm a little. I'm a, the weirdo who who's protective of Chad, um, which oh. I know you're not supposed to be. So, uh, and I think comparing him to Drew is the perfect example because Drew apologized here and he did it because you're right. He's way more eloquent than, well, all of our guys seem to be uh, significantly more eloquent than your average guy on the American show. Like it's, yeah. it's quite notable. I don't know what that is in terms of education, but it, it's certainly notable, and Drew can express himself, and when he tries, he can certainly turn on the charm, and he's calm, which is the thing he has over Chad, um, because Chad has severe anger problems, and I think arguing that would be crazy, um, but I always felt like I could see Chad's humanity. I felt bad for him. I think he was uncomfortable, and he lashed out when he was uncomfortable, and you could also see the other guy's it was almost like the roles were reversed. Like the other guys didn't like one or two things about Chad because he's kind of an asshole. And then they started poking at him the way that Drew was poking at Chris. They were antagonizing him. And so then when he exploded, he exploded too far. And that's where you got all the villainy kind of stuff coming because he mm. does have anger issues and a drinking problem, it seems, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I always felt like they the editor or the producers weren't great to Chad and you know when he sort of fell apart when he was leaving paradise and he did the whole what am I going to do now thing because he knew yeah. that he'd been kind of screwed over by and he'd, he'd been shown in this terrible light whereas I think Drew was all manipulation all like he was very conscious of playing the villain way more than Chad was and I, I think it's an interesting comparison yeah I I, I just feel like Chad like, I'm so interested in this, this perspective that you have of, like, support, I guess, defending Chad. I mean, not, I like... <laughs> not that extremely, but yes, compared to the average interpretation of him, yes. Yeah, and I, I am sort of, I, I hate any bullying, including when I felt like they were bullying Chad. Like, there was, like, an aspect of it that he is just sort of a lone wolf. Um, clearly, like, addicted to steroids, which is, like, roid rage and all that other stuff. Yeah. But I felt like with Chad, even when he had the opportunity to come out, you know, and, and show a different side of him, he didn't. He, like, continued to, I felt like, play the part, play the villain in a way that Drew, at least, I feel like, I do think he's, like, trying to manipulate and 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 manipulate the viewer's perspective of him in this mental world. But I felt like at least he's trying to... Uh, albeit very strangely, um, like show his side and tell his like version of the story. But I, I, I couldn't actually understand what he was saying. Like he was going back and forth and like, if I had had more time, I would have like rewatched just the Drew segment. Cause I was like, what are you trying to say? Are you saying that you weren't into Jasmine? Is that and you gave up in Morocco? Was that, was that what he was getting at? Yeah, I really do think it was, because I think that's sort of a hallmark of the villain too, right? Is that they they say, oh, I wasn't really into her, and then that caused problems for the show, and that's why I was cavalier, and that's why the producers didn't like me, and all that kind of stuff. Um, they always say that, because, I mean, that's, I think, a human reaction, right? You got rejected yeah. on national TV, so the only thing 
you always say, oh, I wasn't that into them in the first place. Yeah. Um, to try and get some of that power back. Um, he wasn't a villain, but you saw Seth do a similar thing when he left. He was like, yes. well, the connection just wasn't really there. And we're watching and we're like, you got dumped because you're a bad kisser and a bad listener. But oh, that was such a good moment of TV. Yeah. Well, and like, then I felt so I felt bad from that at uh, Men Tell All. Noah, his first question is straight to Seth. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but what he, he took the opportunity well, I thought, to like reframe his narrative and go, you know, like I feel like that's a pretty on- earnest and honest thing to say. Of like, I wasn't ready for it, and he because when you. When he left, he seemed like such a prick by saying, oh, there wasn't a connection when it's like, no, you got dumped. Exactly what you just said. But I felt like with this one, he was able to kind of uh, frame it in a way that I thought was actually kind of appealing and something that I could relate to. Of Like, yeah, yeah he, there's a lot of pressure on you and he just wasn't ready. I was like, yeah, I could, I could buy that. I completely agree. And I thought um, something that's come up a little bit more in the Canadian one that the Americans would have edited, edited out, I think, is this idea of the experience and what it's like to be involved with the producers and the edit and all that stuff. We mm. saw it a little bit um, on Mikel's hometown. He said to his dad, yes. you think I've been brainwashed? Um, th- that sort of rhetoric. And something Seth said really stood out to me. He said, I felt pressure to do it, which to me suggests yeah. his producer was saying, you have to kiss her. Everybody else has kissed her. And Seth was one of the younger guys. And I do think it's a real note of maturity that he was like, okay, I have to kiss her. So I'm going to kiss her. Whereas you look at someone like Kevin P he's like 10 years older, almost than Seth really mature, really got his act together, totally confident. And he didn't kiss her for another like four episodes because he didn't feel he wasn't going to push himself. And I thought that was really notable. Mm, Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I love that moment. Mikhail's hometown date uh like with the dad I just thought like how interesting it felt so like meta of them acknowledging the craziness of what was going on and I just love Mikel's family so much oh me too we will come back to Mikel in a second though because I want to talk about the final two in just a minute um we're gonna go back and talk about something that we'd mentioned off air uh there is something I'm noticing about the Canadian one that's really getting on my nerves I mean I like in general most of the things I like about the Canadian one over the American one there's lots of things um, this particular thing really stands out to me and it's geographic stereotyping. We've got, you know, early on you got, com- there was actually a, a moment where someone said, you know, Th- Thomas, he's from Saskatchewan. So he's a nice guy. And drew with the talk of what it means to be a Toronto city boy and Benoit's edit and behavior in general with being so like stereotypically Quebecois with the passion and all that. How do you feel about that? Well, you wrote in your your uh, bachelor chart something that I sort of was like, yes, bang on. And you were just talking about this exact thing, substituting geography for personality. And, you know, our country is so vast, so diverse. Uh, it just it just irritates me to no end. Uh, I am a military kid. I grew up all over the country. So, you know, living in many years uh, in in Kingston, Ontario, Vancouver, in Quebec. And what you sort of see is there's like all kinds of people everywhere. I mean, that goes without saying. And I just found this whole like Drew and uh, stupid Andrew. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, I hate Andrew so much. Andrew and like this like Toronto clique 
and the, this like, like stereotyping of these people based on where they live just kind of is, is so small minded and so wrong. Um, your example of Thomas, I feel like is a great example. Like Thomas is from Saskatchewan. He's an international model. Like talk about breaking any stereotype. Like, and he was so strange. Like he had an accent. Like I didn't even understand where <laughs> he was actually from. He has his like luscious locks. Like he's nothing like you would quote unquote expect from a stereotypical prairie boy. And there he was, you know, breaking the the kind of idea of where you, what you would think of him. So yeah, it's a small mind. It kind of got, annoying mostly like like you said in your article which i completely agreed with living in toronto it's like there are all sorts of people here um and certainly like his whole thing about what do you say about you need balls to live in guys and it's like (laughs) sensitive yeah like it's just to me the big city has nothing to do with being bold or having big balls it's like why i love living in toronto is because the so many different perspectives like just like yeah disparate ideas of how to live cultures open-mindedness creativity the progressive nature of toronto is what i see mm-hmm. so i sort of was just like why what is this kind of idea of you come to toronto to be brave and to have because you have balls like i came here because of the possibilities and the opportunities and the ideas that I wanted to to explore and the limitless kind of possibilities here. So, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, oh, I found that incredibly frustrating. And I, I felt very protective of my city and of the men in our city. I mean, we both live in Toronto. We know a lot of the same people. And I, I just started running through my head this list of, like, young men that I know. And I'm just like, I know actors and artists and poets and musicians. And who, who are these people he's talking about? And why yeah. does he think that these other guys are too sensitive to live in Toronto? Like, someone like Mikkel and... and um, Kevin P and even Chris, these are guys who could have a conversation with every Torontonian I know, whereas they would, the guys I know would laugh at Drew. Yeah. Like it, it was kind of amazing. And it, and it actually suggested to me, he felt like, now I don't, I haven't checked his bio, so I'm not actually sure this is true, but he felt like to me, somebody who grew up in a small town and always wanted to move to Toronto. <laughs> and and he's a little bit intimidated by it. He's scared of Toronto. And people who do actually live here and have lived here a long time, and even people who are just naturally suited to it, aren't scared of it. And they sort of just embrace it and they calm down and they don't they don't worry about proving themselves tough enough for the big city because they just embrace everything the city is. Um, mm, I felt very protective. Totally. It really bothered me. And then, I mean, as it related to Benoit... He sort of walked it back a little bit at Men Tell All, said he was drunk on the, the night that it was a particular problem. But I thought this was fascinating, that our one guy from Quebec was portrayed, at least, as this sort of, like, Lothario comedian sort of, like, yes. you know, smooth maitre d' kind of guy. Yeah, and I think Jasmine was partly to blame. Like, I obviously, I think the edit and the producers played a big part of it. But like she kept equating his passion with, well, he's French, he's French, he's French. And, you know, I'm Kat Gauthier, I'm, I'm French Canadian. And I, yeah, that was sort of, there are so many things that French Canadian people are and lots of French Canadians are super passionate. It's wonderful. And lots of French Canadians are not, you know, and Bernoin uh, actually was to me like, 
he was just so much more than this kind of stereotypical French guy that I felt like he had to like play that part. And his his uh, mental all appearance so surprised me. Like he was so sweet. His apology about being drunk. Like I when I watched it, I didn't have any sense of he was being inappropriate. I thought he was, you know, a little overbearing, but I thought he was sweet and passionate. And then to have him like it looked like he was ashamed of himself and yeah. apologizing to to Jasmine and apologizing to the country for his behavior. I just I still don't even know how I feel about it because I think he's just adorable and I don't think he has anything to be ashamed of. Yeah, but. well, and you know what? Out of the limo, he was one of my favorites. Um, he, and he certainly. I watched the premiere with my mother, and she came. Mm-hmm. She, I was, I was watching uh, a much, much later episode, and she was over, and she was, <laughs> she was looking at it, and she was just like, "Where's Benoit? I loved Benoit." And it was like seven oh. episodes later, and I was like, "I have something to um, tell you, mother, about this spa date that they went on when he licked her <laughs> finger." I uh, that was the moment I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore with Benoit. No. I, was, I, was I never thought Benoit was like a real like front runner. You That's know, true. I always thought like he's going to be a fun guy. Maybe it'll make t- final six if he's lucky. He makes for great TV, but I never like. And the way she talked about it was always like, "Oh, Benoit, Benoit." Yeah, you know, like not there was nothing. Like she was never really charmed by it. I actually was surprised he stayed as long as he did. Yeah. I would actually say this was one of those seasons and they, they do come along and I find they're much more prevalent on Bachelorette than on Bachelor, um, where you could really see who were those top three, at least mm-hmm. easy from like almost from week one, you could tell it was going to be Mike, Kevin W and Mikel. Um, and actually I've been sort of noticing this. I think this is a really interesting thing. Um, most of the women I've seen do Bachelorette tend to their first impression rose winner makes it to the top two or three, if not wins, almost every single season. The men tend to pick someone who ends up going out like seventh, eighth place. And I don't know what that says about instincts or what, but uh, or first impressions in general, but I'm finding that really notable. And you could definitely see it the second Jasmine met Mike. She, they were, he, they were, he was fast forwarded to the final three and I was surprised to see him flame out. what do you think? Oh yeah. Big time, big time. He, I, I, like, it was interesting to say, to hear you say that you knew from the get go. I did not. I was like, really? Yeah, I really didn't. Like, maybe I'm just, I, I think because Jasmine's taste in men is so different than mine that I found it like, Oh, Oh, you're keeping it. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> But most of my friends who do watch Bachelor Canada, I feel like feel very strongly about the people that Jasmine's choosing. So I think I might be in the minority, but I didn't know. Like, I thought Kevin, I, I still am shocked that Kevin W is probably going to win this whole thing. Um, like, I just don't, I don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> um, but Mike, for sure, Mike for sure I had like a, a strong inkling because um, he's just an extraordinary man and I felt you know like from the get-go he's just like shown himself to be so solid so strong so kind funny in the right ways never at anyone's like expense uh, I felt like he was incredibly astute um, self-aware and I was really surprised to see them flame out I couldn't tell if his, you know, like she kept talking about how his stability was so 
different than hers and you know particularly on that two-on-one with Thomas it sort of highlighted that maybe Mike was not going to be you know in the end the right fit for her because he was just so stable and so reserved but I just thought the fact that he's such a good guy and that they seem to have this great chemistry I, I was super shocked to see him go and then so delighted by his appearance tonight or oh, last yeah. night's episode that like, was very impressive Right? Yeah. And, like, I don't know if I've ever seen such an eloquent, uh, self-aware kind of perspective of him just being able to say, like, yeah, my heart was tucked away. And his his comments about, like, the reward of being vulnerable. And that's what he's going to take next time. And then how he, he – what he said to Jasmine. Like, I was just blown away. Just, oh, like, how – the friendship that I think that they can really – foster now yeah just shows like what a stand-up person he is what did you think oh I thought I I was blown away as well by that men tell all appearance I very few people are able to go on men tell all and or or after the final rose where you actually see this more I'd say um they go on there they're still angry they're resentful they're embarrassed and you don't see that sort of um humility and that ability to just be like no, I care deeply about this person. I'm willing to st- admit that I still do. And yeah. I have the maturity to be able to do that without having to have a romantic relationship with her. And just this idea that they're friends now. I mean, a lot of bachelor and bachelorettes are friends in in real life, sort of after the fact. But most of the ones who were like finalists and their lead are not really close um, mm-hmm. And this idea that even on the show, they can publicly come out and say, look, guys, we're fine. Um, yeah. It was very undramatic and lovely and I thought very impressive. And I felt like when you saw him, like from the get-go, you saw him um, in the mental I mean, like in his edit of just like while he was watching himself or while he was watching, when you just saw the like little square of him watching the footage, he just seemed so serious like yeah he looks upset but he wasn't really (laughs) yeah but I felt like you know like other people were laughing or whatever and with Mike he just had this like sort of like stoic look on his face of this is my life and this is like I just sort of was like oh this is not a joke to him this isn't kind of an appearance and he's not he's not like you know heartbroken about it but I think it was a really real thing that he is now changed by yeah and I was like, whoa, like whenever you get to see reality TV where you see human beings like going through a real thing, kind of stories being told, I just, that's why I'm kind of addicted to it. It's like, I know it's a a kind of horrible vice in many ways, but it's like that moment was just so real, just watching him watch his own footage and just it not being a joke to him, not being delighted, just kind of witnessing his own story. I, I found it profound actually I totally agree and that's one of the things that draws me to what reality tv I do watch and specifically the bachelor bachelorette franchises it's you know a lot of people do tune in for the sort of edited content the the narrative constructed by the producers that they really want to you know the drama and all that yeah um and I like to think that I'm uh, pretty good at seeing through the edit and what I really enjoy is like I really like being able to watch when people are first meeting and mm-hmm. being able to spot where there's chemistry, where there isn't chemistry mm-hmm. and watch real human 
feelings develop and honest moments like that. Um, like some of, some of the really big emotional things that are actually delivered in a small way. Um, a lot of the best guys when they go home at like third or second, third, fourth, any of those sort of places. And they just are really quiet about it. Like Luke's goodbye on Jojo season this year tore my heart in a thousand pieces because he didn't, it wasn't theatrics. It was just, Oh my God. Uh, and it that sort of thing. You don't, it doesn't really show up on a lot of manufactured reality TV, like the docu soap kind of ones where they do the same scene over and over again. But the competition shows where it's honestly just recording and they don't really have a, that's not an edited package. That's just Mm -hmm. what's happening to someone in that moment. It is really compelling. Yeah. There's a couple of really good moments like that this season, like Benoit's exit. Like Mm -hmm. when he, what do you say? Just like, I I wish I'd been the one. I just was like, Oh, like, you you know, it's, he could not have. Oh, and he pulled her into the elevator and he put his voice down as if he wanted to get away from the cameras and just talk to her. Yeah. Oh, that gets me every time. Anytime they try yeah. and get away from the cameras to just talk to the person, I'm like, oh, I want to hear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is like exactly what they don't want, but totally. Yeah. And what do you say? Like, it was such a good experience journey. I was just like, you are so adorable. Yeah. Uh, Kevin P's final date. Oh. I felt like that was another extraordinary, like, Absolutely. truly authentic, interesting like, oh. I felt like a fly in the wall. I was like, this is two human beings really negotiating something really real. That was and very interesting, too, because yes. the first, they let that scene go on. They didn't cut. It was the entire scene. It was like a fifth, not maybe not 15, but it was almost like a 10-minute scene of just two people yes. talking. And you never see that on the American show. But they were just like, no, we, we understand that Kevin P is a compelling figure, and he absolutely is. And he has yes. things to say, and and we're and this was their first really big conversation, and they just let us watch it. It was that was incredible. Yeah, it really was, and it was just so human. It was so like, what are we? What are we watching? Just two people negotiating a really, two really real human beings negotiating a real thing, not yeah. reality TV. Like negotiating their own stories and negotiating their past and what they want. I was like. Oh, and like you said, Kevin P is so interesting to me. Yes. And I often want, loved watching him in the group scenes and seeing his, his, his reactions. Like when drew, uh, the infamous moment that drew, uh, said the wrong name for the date card and mm-hmm. watching Kevin P's reaction. Cause he's sitting right next to Chris. I just like, you just see Kevin just go like, Oh, you're so childish and immature and Kevin P just always seemed to have this kind of he just seemed maybe it's that he's a bit older or just has a bit more maybe maybe he's a bit more worldly but I just found him uh really interesting to watch he really was super guarded yeah he was engrossing there was something about Kevin because like I yeah he was so guarded and then you combine his guarded nature with his cheekbones and I just Mm. couldn't really trust him I was like who are you I don't I feel like I couldn't see him he was so polished his hair was always perfect he was really good at the Cirque du Soleil I was like who are you um so good it was it was was bizarre how good he was and so I I one of the things I look for on this show is someone who I feel like I can see clearly Someone who's showing me who they actually are instead of being really presentational. And uh, 
I always never gave Kevin the credit. I was always like, I, I can't trust you. I don't know. And then the, as they sort of got into that topic, as they started talking about how he's guarded, why he's guarded, why he does this, um, I it was really interesting. But even when I didn't trust him, I couldn't not like him. He kept drawing me in. Like, there is something unbelievably magnetic about Kevin P. That's really impressive. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. I'm really attracted to the guarded ones. I think like, like in Jojo's season, my favorite, favorite guy was Chase. I think it's because what? I trust them more. I know. Oh my God. It? Tell me more. Uh, <laughs> because, because I feel like if I went on those shows, like how could you not be guarded? The ones who come out and like, like God bless him, Mikkel, but like, <laughs> how can you be so, I don't think I could forget that there was 15 other women there. And I don't think I could forget that there was cameras on me and, and, and the producers were asking me a million questions and that they were, you know, that we were, of course, we're taking the helicopter over Hawaii, but like, it's not real. It's all fake, you know? Right. And so the ones that are guarded like Chase and, uh, and Kevin P for me, I felt like, oh, I maybe I just see myself in them or I just go, that makes me trust you more because it, it is kind of a surreal experience. And how can you let all your guards down or the, the people who come out of the gate swinging saying, I'm crazy about her, the ones who fall in love right away. It's like, what, how do you know? You don't even know the person. You've gone on two dates with six other dudes. Like, how can you? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm very drawn to that kind of uh, guarded I, I totally agree. It was with Kevin, it was more of a perfection issue for me. Yeah. He was so, he, and, and maybe it was literally his hair and his cheekbones. You put those two things. He was so perfectly put together all the time. And he's so calm that I felt like he was very polished and yeah. I'm, I'm suspicion. I'm suspicious of polish. Um, but yeah. no, that I agree about the guardedness. Um, one of my favorites, and this is a controversial pick, but I've always loved Nick Vile from the second he showed up. Um, oh. yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I'm like, you must be thrilled. Um, I don't know that I'm, I mean, I'm excited for the season. I think that he's going to, I think he's a move in the right direction. I think he's very honest. I think yeah. he is, um, very, he ha he has a lot of female friendships. And so I think it'll be yeah. interesting to watch sort of, um, I find the men tend to just sort of grade the women and they're like, well, they're all dateable women. And then, so this one is one I'm most attracted to and sort of go down the ladder. Whereas I think Nick, there will be more nuance to characterizing his relationships with people, um, and yeah. differentiating someone I really like versus someone I'm into. Um, and I also really like that he's older. I think mm -hmm. that, me too. Yeah. I think it, it just makes a lot more sense to have. I mean, Ben was great, but he was 26. And so all the women on his season were like 23 and that makes for sort of a lot of silliness and not for, I mean, I do think Ben and Lauren will work, but for the most part, I don't have much faith in couples who get together on that show when they're all like 24. Um, whereas Nick, I really believe he's like 36 or something. I think it's going to, it has a better shot of working. Um, yeah. But what and I, I think the franchise has also hurt him. So I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, he's not going to be blinded by the whole, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the glamor of it. Like, Absolutely. Yes, he's a bachelor. That's different. But I think that he will be, uh, wary of it in a way that I think is going to be interesting. And I, I find him so compelling because he's, he can laugh at himself, laugh at the whole thing. And, 
uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, cause the thing, the thing he, he is someone who is very guarded. Um, and he was always very suspicious of the process. I thought like he, he didn't want to yeah. let himself into it. Um, I think he's very optimistic, but he's not, but he is very guarded and careful and, and wary. Um, he knows what's happening. He knows the producers are trying to get him into something. He knows all that kind of stuff, which is my, that's what I like in, in a bachelor yeah. is I, I like someone who's very wary of that, but he's not very polished. Like he's, he has a hard time hiding how he feels. Um, whether that's annoyance or anger or just discomfort or love, whatever it is. Um, what I mean by the guys who show you who they are and you feel like you know them is like Nick often says the wrong thing. Um, you know, like I totally get that. I, I get like, I have a hard time hiding how I feel. People often misinterpret my face. Actors do this to me all the time. They're like, Kelly, you hate our show. And I'm like, no, I did my face. Sorry about my face. Um, sorry about my face. Sorry about my face. Uh, but like this happens all the time. And this idea of always saying the wrong thing, I think, um, as opposed to like Kevin P always said the exact right thing. It was like somebody yeah. wrote him. He was like this incredible, you know, if you put him into a movie, he'd be the most swoon worthy character ever. But in real life, I'm just like, you've never said the wrong thing. I don't, I don't understand. Where's your vulnerability. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Nick has that so perfect right that. mixture of guardedness and vulner and like honest, like vulnerability. Um, and so the, I'm, I'm very interested to see how that goes. Um, who are some of your others staying away from the final three? Who were some of your other favorite guys this season? Oh, easy. Um, <laughs> good golly. I'm like giggling just thinking about him. Kyle. I loved Kyle. Kyle, Kyle I'm obsessed with. And I'm so happy to see in your, your, what you wrote that you also love Kyle. Love like, Kyle, but, but Kyle, I would have loved, like, Kyle is beautiful. <laughs> like, Kyle for me is a Greek god. Like, that height and how. Like, I don't even understand him. But one of the best moments of the mental wall was this kind of hilarious uh, jab. I don't even know if you call it jab, but the, the David comments about the music. I just was like, that's Kyle. Just so quick-witted and funny and goofy. And his, his group date with the children, just like, oh, yeah. I could have seen more of Kyle. You know, Kyle and Jasmine didn't have any chemistry, so what are you going to do? But Kyle, oh, my goodness. I... I I dream about Kyle. Oh, I, yes, I loved him. And I thought sort of the most compelling thing about Kyle was this sort of weird juxtaposition of what he looked like and how he behaved. He was such yes. a gentle giant. He was so goofy, so fun and sweet and approachable. And um, I didn't really believe that when he first showed up and he was like, I have cats. I'm like, okay, I don't, sure, you're trying to prove something here. But then he really, that was who he was. Like he, I don't remember where he was sitting in that famous, like the sensitive guys on one side of the pool and the Toronto guys on the other. But I, I want to believe that he has more to say to Chris and Kevin P than he does to Drew, which is why I thought that that comment that Drew made to Chris was so interesting when they were having, and we'll get to Chris in a second, but we were ta they were talking about that fight that they had off camera and Chris had said something and at all the guy, and he was basically speaking for all the guys, all the guys were on board with what he was saying. And Drew said, you have Kyle say that to me. You can't say that. And that was such an interesting thing because 
I think Kyle and Chris were probably on the same page about most things and in terms of their feelings about how you treat other people and all that. And it was literally Drew just needed to prove that he was a better, bigger man than Chris. And he knew because of their physical stature that he had he wasn't in competition with Kyle. So if yeah. someone was going to put him in his place, it had to be somebody who he already wasn't in a, he already had, didn't have the power in that relationship so that he wasn't losing anything. Yeah. That whole thing was really interesting. And yeah, I still kind of am flabbergasted by the whole thing. I love what you said. And I think it's bang on that Kyle, because he's so big and he's so commanding, he didn't need to kind of prove himself as an alpha male. He just sort of is, you know, an alpha male in some ways, or I don't know if you'd say alpha male, he's just a strong commanding presence. And so he didn't, like, I think that that means that he can be goofy and doesn't feel like he has a lot to prove in the same way that Drew, like, constantly needs to prove himself. Like, his, you see that kind of insecure boy in him that's just trying so hard to be, you know, like, this strong salesman, confident type when it's like Kyle doesn't need to do that because he's a giant and he's a babe and he knows that people like me go crazy over him. <laughs> um, but also what I love about Kyle is I feel like he doesn't know that he's a babe. I feel like he just like didn't take things too seriously. And yeah, that whole thing is so interesting. But I think you're bang on about the fact that it's because he, you know, perhaps it's because he's so so big and commanding that he doesn't feel like he needs to prove himself in the exact, in the same way that, that a Drew does or an Andrew does. Um, Ugh, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, Andrew was the worst because it was one of those things he was where worst. he was a terrible person, but he wasn't interesting enough to be the villain. So he's just this like yes. weird henchman guy off to the side. And he just kept laughing at everything Drew said. And I was like, do you understand you're making yourself sound so like at least Drew, yeah, makes for good TV. Yeah. His weird Kleenex thing. I was like, there was no Bachelor in Paradise. I don't know why you're like Ugh. buying it. Doing, you know, it felt like one of those like auditions for Bachelor in Paradise, the way that, that sometimes you see it on the mental all in, uh, in the States. But I just was like, you're just being cruel and, and making yourself out to be quite a, quite a douche well and I thought that moment was incredibly interesting that moment and the the moment when Drew corrected Chris's pronunciation of the word genuine (laughs) these two these two things and Drew the second he did that knew it was a mistake and took it back and it was really funny um because he knew the crowd wasn't in his favor but those I thought were very indicative of what the problem was with the climate in the house and with the Drew and Andrews of the world and it's actually I thought it was really reflective of general bullying culture and what's and and male culture and what's out there and this idea that everything they did was an attempt to get the laugh, an attempt to have the power in the room and be the cool person and to make fun of somebody else so that they get the laugh. So mm-hmm. They knew the edit did not go in their favor. Andrew especially, I'm going to say he's lucky that this didn't happen, but he didn't give very much screen time. If he'd gotten more, we would have seen more how horrible he was. Um, But so they're coming into this and they're framing it as, okay, we have to keep our power. We have to establish, no, the narrative is that Chris is a whiny bitch and we're the good, cool guys. And the way to do that is to continue to like not back down from making fun of him, to call him a crybaby instead of just apologize. And they, what they did was they misread their prey because 
if this were high school, Chris would have taken the tissue and everyone would have laughed and he just would have sort of crawled into a ball. But Chris is someone who people pick on him and have always picked on him and you can tell. And so he just doesn't even flinch anymore, which I think is really remarkable. And he very easily got the upper hand, even though even into the men tell all Andrew and Drew were still teasing him because they think it's the normal thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What do you think of Chris? Oh, I real. Uh, so, Chris is very much like the sort of guy I really relate to and find interesting. Um, he's so sweet. I thought he was a little bit. He was totally wrong for Jasmine, obviously. Um, but I like how smart he was. He was, and and he wasn't just smart. He was intellectual, which you know, he was in his head, and he was thinking things through and he was talking about interesting things and, um, you know, he could certainly toughen up a little bit, but I think that it was really notable that, uh, he didn't back down to Drew and he, like, he just wouldn't let him break him and he knew he was right. And he knew that the thing to do was to, um, treat people with kindness and to try and stand up for Jasmine and try and, do good in the world. And even though, you know, sometimes it was a little annoying and, and certainly I do think he was a little, um, susceptible to producer manipulation. He would sometimes give them the line they wanted and mm-hmm. go initiate a conflict that could have been avoided. Um, and I do, I, I felt like I could see the producer's hands in that and how you would approach manipulating a Chris into doing those sort of things, play on his hero complex, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I thought he was a compelling figure and I thought that it was really admirable, um, how much he wouldn't let Drew get to him. Even, uh, in the end when he was on the hot seat, um, when the camera was going to commercial, you could hear him talking to Noah and he said, are you, even now, are you seeing this? And Noah says, we're seeing it. Um, and mm-hmm. I thought that was very telling cause they didn't know they were um, being shown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I, yeah, uh, I'm, I, I sort of need time to think about how I feel about Chris. Like, Chris, I waffled because there was times I thought, he is so sweet. He's a, I think he's a total babe. So I don't agree. You know, I totally I, agree. I, like, struggle with the whole, like, he's a, if he's a dork, he's he's a wonderful, amazing, attractive kind of dork. Um, maybe that's something about how I like dorks. But, <laughs> um, you know, and so, like, this, the whole narrative felt strange of, like, he's a dork and, and they're bullying him and... And, you know, obviously we saw that happening. So, you know, he wasn't delusional, but it, it sort of, it, it did feel so fabricated and so strange. Like I can't quite figure out what Drew had an issue with. And um, there was, there was moments though, during the season where I felt like Chris was a little high and mighty and a little bit, uh, like it felt like he was playing a game sometimes as opposed to, you know, really trying to be curious of who Jasmine was and, mm-hmm. and, find out who she was and I think maybe that's you know the producer edit or maybe that's just like there was a lot of pressure on him because of you know who he represented in this kind of uh duo of, of terror that we'd becoming become like accustomed to watching but you know and like like when he he was his his final season with the whole I have two things to give you uh, there's just something that I was like what's happening like I, I just didn't 
Yeah. I don't know. Like, I I think I, I think I, you know, I think I like him and I think he's really smart and I loved his, you know, his, his quirkiness and his weirdness. And I love the moments where he stands up for himself and the questions he often asks, you know, about the, why, why are we not trying to understand where the other person's coming from? There's a little bit of haughtiness sometimes there too, that I felt Uh, like, certainly, you know, you could, you could be a bit more curious about her um, as opposed to just coming in and going, I have these things I'm going to give you and you're going to love it or uh, I don't know, but I, I don't know. And I, I really don't. Cause then there's moments where I think, and I just think he was, you know, when he was, he was in Jamaica and, and doing the reggae, like he was just so sweet. So I'm of two minds. Yeah. Well, and I certain I totally agree. And I think that um, one of the things I think Chris really struggled specifically towards the end, the two things you're talking about, that's from his last episode, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the, the like awkward kiss moment where he wasn't reading the room and all that sort of thing. I think he was someone who and I think this happens to everyone. Um, as he went along, the less confident he got, the worse he got. Um, cause I think he got insecure and for someone like Chris, the way to deal with that is to sort of have almost too much of a plan. Um, and he rehearsed things and he's like, and this is when I'll do that and that and that. And so he didn't follow instincts and he didn't read her and he wasn't paying enough attention. Cause I think he was trying to follow a plan, um, yeah. which I find very unappealing, but I, I, I do, do empathize. I feel like I can see where it came from. Um, the Drew stuff I thought was really interesting because it was fascinating to me how much Chris bothered him because it it was all facilitated by Drew. It did not come from Chris in the first place. And I think what it is is I think Chris is a total dork and he's totally fine being a dork. Like he's just, he's a, he's fine. He's totally functioning in the world, happy as a clam as he is. Um, and he is also handsome and tall and he can dance and all this stuff. And so for someone like Drew, who places such importance on things like manliness and stoicness and being able to live in the big city, I think he finds someone like Chris who's so, um, so accepting of the fact that he is not those things threatening because he's undermining, um, Drew's priorities, uh, Chris is someone you could easily transplant into Toronto and he'd be totally fine um, because he would just walk down the street like the rest of us do and, and process that he's in the big city and it doesn't really matter. And Drew would feel threatened by that because he's worked so hard to harden himself to be able to deal with these things that Chris doesn't think are a big deal. Um, and I think it's very interesting that I think he attacked him because he made him insecure because he undermined his, um, the things he thinks are important. I think that's really apt. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. See, Chris, Chris <laughs> is one of those people who I'm just like, I get you, man. <laughs> I love him. Um, but yeah. he was, I wanted him to leave because he and Jasmine were going nowhere. And so I was no. just like, uh, at this point, the really sweet guy who doesn't, make like isn't meant for her I get quite frustrated because uh it becomes a little bit like why are you chasing this woman because she's the only woman here without recognizing that she's not right for you um that's something that's a little bit frustrating about um the the main show as opposed to something like bachelor in paradise which is its own sort of mess (laughs) but the main show there is you know like it it is a two-way street and this idea that 
she's the only woman there. So guys who wouldn't necessarily aren't necessarily clicking with her, like a Kyle who, you know, it's not a meritocracy. If it was a meritocracy, Kyle would win. Um, but they weren't a good match. And so there's no one yeah. for him. So he sort of just like wanders away. Yeah. It's sort of a, a weird dynamic. That's so true. That's so, who are some of your favorites? Um, well, oh, I had so, so I had so many favorites this year because it was such a good cast and I'm going to attribute it that to its Canadianness. Um, <laughs> I, so I, I agree mostly like, you know, I liked Chris. I loved Kyle. Um, I loved Kevin P although it was a very complicated emotional ride to my finding my love of Kevin P. Um, had some (laughs) trust issues. (laughs) Oh, excuse me. I'm cold. Um, but then, so that's a good transition because I got to say my favorite from day from second one, from the first time he showed up on camera, I am the biggest Mikel fan. I love him. Um, now, important caveat, I do not think she should pick Mikel, nor am I rooting for her to pick Mikel because I want him to be the next Bachelor so badly. But oh, I'm, my I gosh. You have to tell, okay, what do you like about him? Okay. I'm not so, disagreeing. I just want to So, first of all, I, he, I think he's so handsome. I think he's... Oh, gosh. Like, Un- unbearably. Right? And it, it's actually ridiculous. And I... I, he has, you know, you talk about how Kyle doesn't have an idea. I think Kyle does have an idea. He just doesn't prioritize the fact that he's handsome. I think Mikel has no clue. I think he probably was really skinny all his life and only recently put on all this muscle. And I think it is, that is the game changer. I think if that was a really skinny guy, people wouldn't notice him as much. Um, and so I think, I think his personality was sort of based around being this sort of like, shrimpy kind of overlooked nerdy guy who is an aviation engineer you know he's doing math all his life so I think that he's got this like sort of wonderful personality where he he honestly doesn't think of himself not only as a hot guy but he doesn't think of himself as a top guy um an alpha male in any way and I because I find alpha male culture very unappealing um so I love that I love his humility I love his kindness I love how nervous he is I think it's so cute um, I, I don't, so I don't particularly love Jasmine, which is something we can get into. I just tell me more about this. Um, so, but, so because I don't love Jasmine, I, I find his sort of like ridiculously open hearted, just like exuberant puppy dog love for Jasmine, a little confusing and a little off putting cause it's, it's, he's so effusive about it and so sure of it. Um, and I don't, I don't really buy that at this. I, well, I don't think she's very interesting, but also just like at this point, they don't know each other that well. So it, it, you're like you said earlier, I'm a little wary of that, but there's something about him. I don't like his, his high voice or his nipple ring, but other than that, I think Mikel is perfect. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, like I, who could not love Mikel? He is so sweet. I, struggle with him being the next bachelor because i don't think i'd want to date him and like i want him in my life i'd like him to be my brother i let i would introduce him to all my friends hoping that one of them would date him but i'm like i see him as this like god like he looks like a statue he's so beautiful and yet i feel like i'm just like not like 
it doesn't do it for me. So it, I worry that like, what is it? Is it just because of the black, his lack of confidence? Like, is it that, is it his voice? Like <laughs> I, was taught, I watched the episode with, with my boyfriend and I was like, is it like, what kind of screwed up person am I? Because they like, a whole different kind of shallow. That's like, he is sort of perfect, but it's his voice. Yeah. I like, don't like his voice just, either. And, like, I don't know. And then, like, yeah, what does a nipple ring say about him? Like, it's so confusing. <laughs> but then he's on the motorcycle. Like, I don't know. It, it's, it's, there's all sorts of incredibly confusing things about how I feel about him. I don't think he'll, she'll pick him, but I would be so delighted to find out that she does. And I'm also, I mean, I am going to regret saying this because. I'm taking away all the power in it, but I've been delighted that like it hasn't been a huge splash of that. There is, you know, a visible minority in the final two. Whereas I feel like if it was in the States, if there was a visible minority in the final two, it would be all up in the news and it'd be a huge kind of story of like, how amazing is that? And it's just like, Mikal is gorgeous and amazing and the right person. So that's why Jasmine has, yeah, him around, you know, so I kind of was delighted to see that. And I think I, I would like, I don't know. I, I'm of two. I don't know if he she'll pick him, but I don't know if I could want, I'd want to watch a whole season of him being the bachelor. <laughs> oh, see, I, I love him. I, I also have an issue with the high voice. Um, but I, get used to it. Like every time, the first time he talks in every episode, I'm like, oh yeah, that's very unappealing. <laughs> um, and then I, I sort of tune into what he's saying and it falls away a little bit. Um, but what is it's just, I love her so much. She's so great. Like wait, Jasmine? I, yeah. No. I, I like that. I found that the catamaran date really interesting in that. I mean, I want to get back to it. You know, like Jasmine, but the Jasmine <laughs> was like, what was it? What was it? And he was like, he kept kind of skirting the issue. He kept kind of, uh, well, cause he didn't want to tell her. He didn't want to slut shame her. Basically <laughs> that I totally so? got after what happened to Nick. He didn't want to tell her what was really bothering him because that's what was bothering him. So, so he was a little, he was that. Do you think that's actually true? Like I, I, I literally think that's what happened. I think he, I think oh. he was, it hit him that the fantasy date was coming up and he started thinking about Kevin and that was what was bothering him. I don't think it was, I think it was literally, literally that. I think it was literally picturing her with Kevin and he didn't want to say that's what was bothering him after what happened to Nick because what Nick did was just tell the truth and (laughs) it became this whole. He didn't need to tell the truth though. No, he didn't. He didn't need to tell the truth. I don't think Mikkel needed to. Like it was kind of a Mikkel knew his feelings were not coming from a fair. Like he he's entitled to his feelings, but he knew that it wasn't fair to make her feel bad about those feelings. Because, yeah. and he knew that, and so he was. I think he was trying to be kind and trying to just you know, check his own sort of position in, in the situation and not impose something on her that was not her problem. Um, yeah. And I under, I totally, I actually really liked that scene for her. I liked this idea of tell me what the problem is. I'm not going to let you off the hook. I really want someone who just talks to me instead of hiding their feelings and it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. 
remembering that it was a TV show though, and he was on camera, I think that could, that conversation maybe could have waited for the fantasy suite when they were off camera and he could just talk to her. Um, that's, that's what I felt was going on. But yeah, if that's a, if that's a trait he has, if he does that all the time where he's like, something's annoying him and he doesn't say what it is that I really don't find appealing. Yeah. Me neither. Um, okay. Let's get to it. What, what is it about Jasmine? Jasmine. Okay. So she has her moments. I think, I think, um, her insistence on communication is very impressive. Um, but so a couple things first, first off, I, and this sounds so mean, but I just think she's so basic. Like, I just don't like, I, I always think about Andy Dorfman is my sort of go-to example bachelorette. Cause that woman was like an assistant district attorney. She was crazy, beautiful, super smart, super fun. Like I, I, this, this is a hairdresser from like Kenora and her hair is always messy and she's got an explore <laughs> tattoo on her wrist that she got for free at a taco truck. Like I just, like I, I would not hang out with Jasmine. Like I don't know. Like she, she's never, I don't know. She's never seemed to show any interest in anything I think is interesting. Um, and, and I do also think that she, so, so this is my sort of general comment about the final three. Um, and you said earlier, you don't have the same taste as Jasmine. And I think this is very interesting because I generally do not, with the exception of Ashley, um, I've never had the taste, the same taste as really any bachelorette, maybe Allie, Allie was sort of on the line as well. Um, but for the most part, it's like Jojo. I was just confused. I was like, who are these guys? Like, I didn't like, I liked Luke, but I didn't like any of her, any of her. You like Luke. I liked Luke. Luke. I would have picked Wells from that group. Like just, I, I was so confused by Jojo's taste in men. Um, but, but I also, so I kind of enjoy that though. I do enjoy, like, I knew I wouldn't have picked Jordan, but I wanted Jojo to pick Jordan and being able to differentiate that for myself while sitting and watching is kind of a fun activity. I think, um, differentiating who, cause again, not a meritocracy who's good for someone and who's good are not the same thing. And we'll get to that in a second as it relates to Kevin. (laughs) Um, but I, so, but what I think is interesting about Jasmine and I think this is a detriment to her character is that I don't know what Jasmine's taste is. And if you look at the final three and especially if you widen that to the final four, she had basically four types of guys that all represented wanting totally different things in life and totally different priorities and totally different taste essentially, um, which could be a good thing, meaning she's not judging them based on some sort of weird categorization, but it, it, it seemed to suggest to me that she doesn't know what she wants. Um, and this really came up on the two on one. And then again, with the Kevin conversation followed immediately by dumping Mike, this idea of, I want adventure, but I'm, I don't like structure and this and that, and she can't, she can't make up her mind. And I think she broke up with Mike, who I agree was a, an excellent choice for her, um, because I think she thought he was boring. And she broke up with Kevin because he wasn't stable enough. And those are two completely contradictory things. 
Um, and then you look at Kevin W. and Mikkel, and while they both have broad shoulders and big pecs, they don't, they have basically nothing in common. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mikkel is ultra sensitive and very sweet and totally um, kind of a beta male. Like he, he, she really has the control in that relationship. And you can see mm-hmm. that if you remember their graffiti date, she was yes. just like, you're doing this wrong. I'm going to do the entire thing. And he just was like, huh, you're cute. Like, you know, and meanwhile, Kevin is ultra alpha, you know, he, yeah. when she makes him mad, he walks out on her. Um, yeah. he, you know, and, and the idea that these two guys are her two final choices to me suggests she has no idea what she wants or who she is. Um, and oh. I find that very unappealing. How yeah. interesting. I love that, um, Charlene joined who I love. So yes. I, I love her. her. Blog. Um, and, and her blogs are, I, I find them super, even when I disagree, I think she's incredibly astute and anyways, but she said, it's so great that her final, I think she said final four, but I can't remember her final four, don't look like they're brothers. Agreed. And never be brothers. Agreed. And I was like, yes, like, yes. And I love that it's like, they are so, so disparate. And, um, and maybe I could relate to Jasmine because I'm like, I don't know what I want. And if you were to look at my dating history, it's like all over the map, you know, between like super, uh, not this is about me, but like super sensitive <laughs> artist types to like very, very, uh, jockey stoic types. Like, and, and, um, yeah. So, so I, I find her, I find her really appealing because she's so relatable and maybe because she's relatable to me, you know, maybe other people will be like, I don't see it at all. Um, you know, I did have the same, uh, kind of bias at the beginning. I was like, hair stylist, are you, what? Like that's, what you came up with and then I had to sort of check my bias at the door like what who the heck am I I'm an actor you know like oh come I'm on like, you're an actor that's so cool but but like you know what I mean like somebody would be looking at mine and be like she can't be the bachelorette and what I love about Jasmine is she's so I find her really curious which I really like in a person and I I find some of the questions she asks and some of the things that she's she's uh looking for in terms of you know getting to the heart of something, some of the honesty. Um, you talked earlier about, you know, the kind of self-aware nature of the Canadian franchise. And I see that with Jasmine. It's like, I don't feel like she's taking it all that seriously of, of in, in, a, in a good way that she's not losing herself and like, I'm the bachelorette and that means that I'm, you know, like all this is real. I feel like she's actually on the hunt for something true. Do I think she's ready to get married? I don't know. Oh, that that's like to to be determined for me and in a way that's why i was (laughs) i was sad to see mike go but i also went oh mike you'll have no problem it's like i think i don't actually think that would be the best match because i think she might resent that kind of stability and he might you know resent her kind of carefreeness whereas the two ones that are left over seem to have a little bit more like flexibility and are both uh, seemingly stable guys, but not in the same kind of rigid, um, cautious way that Mike is. Yeah, I just, I just, I just really found her really relatable. And by the end, like it just seemed like she was like having these kind of. She seemed really natural. Uh, some of the, the ways that she responded to like Drew, and when she was like, "So, what do you like about me?" Like, I just was like, <laughs> I love that. I, don't think I, I would have had the courage to ask that, or 
like some of the things that she's willing to ask for, like when she, with the whole Seth thing of just like, you know, too much tongue. And like, <laughs> I, I've seen myself, you know, even like not be able to stand up for what I like and what I want because I'm such a people pleaser. I want people to like me so bad. And I see her often kind of going, okay, but you know, asking the tough questions and, and I mean, I find her incredibly charming, but yeah, like kind of getting to sometimes getting to the heart of things, which I have not seen in many a bachelorette or bachelor. So, and I, I like that she's modest and yet confident. And so it's, you know, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I'll like, we'll agree to disagree on this one. Okay. I like her. Okay. I can see what you see. I, yeah, I, she's just not, she's really not my style, but it's that explore yeah. tattoo. I can't get over it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also do kind of think sort of in my heart of hearts, if this show was a, didn't have that same sort of pressure at the end and this idea where they keep telling her she's looking for her husband, I think she maybe should have picked Thomas or even Kevin P maybe like someone. I think that's an, an itch she really wants to scratch and she's somehow, and maybe this is the producers. She's convinced herself not to scratch it and not picking Mike is her compromise with herself um, saying, okay, I'm not going to go totally domestic, but I don't think picking either of these other nine to five guys is going, I think who she wants is a Thomas. Um, someone really exciting and who travels all over the world and does that sort of thing. I think that's who she probably is. I think you're right. I don't know that she's ready to get married. I think she maybe did this a little early. Yeah. And I feel like she would date Thomas for a couple of years and then want to move to Kenora with the, with the mic, but not yet. You know, like I think she, I, you're saying about the itch and like, yes, I think that's true. But I think that with the guys that she has now, the two guys, I think that she'll be able to scratch that itch. Like when Kevin was asked, where do you see yourself in five years? He, he was like, I don't know, which I was like, Oh, you know, that seems like a good answer for a Jasmine type because yeah. it's like, I don't think she knows what she wants either. So, you know, if, if they might have a little bit of room for a little bit of flexibility and, and traveling and, um, you know, I think he's he's down to have a good time, too. I don't know how Mikel's job, that would work out, I, but he seemed like he would do just about anything for her at this point, so... <laughs> Poor Mikel. <laughs> Poor Mikel. Okay, so who do you think? Okay, so here's the thing. I I really want Mikel to be the Bachelor, so I think she should. But do you should. think that's even how it's going to work? Well, no, I don't know. The Canadians have never done work. it b- before, but I think this was their first Bachelorette, so hopefully now this was enough of a success that it starts them on the cycle and they start because there's a reason the Americans do that. It perpetuates your audience. It may like, I just think it's the the best possible way to do it. Um, and it just, this idea of sort of like a pool, I think is a really strong element of the American franchise and they certainly should, even if they don't. Um, yes. But so for, from actually, honestly, whether or not he's the bachelor, I don't, I, I don't think he's right for Jasmine. Cause I think she needs someone. I think she is drawn more to the alpha males. There's gotta be a reason Drew was there so long. Um, so I do think that not only should she, but she will pick Kevin. Um, and I agree with you, uh, from what you said earlier, he is completely not my taste like I personally if I was a bachelorette Kevin would have been eliminated at the first night 
Like he, I don't find him visually appealing. The alpha male thing is ridiculous. I think the stoic thing, the temper, like there's nothing to me that's really all that appealing about Kevin. Uh, for Jasmine, I think he's kind of perfect. I think they have a really good connection. I think they got um, really quite deep quite quickly. They didn't do a mm-hmm. lot of small talk and a lot of, so how many siblings do you have? They did, they straight, went straight to things, how they feel about the world. And I think that's yes. really telling. Um, I think it's telling that she kept him around, even though his hometown was a disaster. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> PTSD from that episode. Yeah. That was the worst hometown I've ever seen in my life. And I remember, uh, what was her name? Um, KCB from Ben was previously oh. the worst hometown of all time. Oh, and JoJo. JoJo's was terrible. Yeah, JoJo's. Um, but, but this lady, oh my goodness. Like, are you in love with your son? Oh Question my God. Mark. Yeah. Like, you crazy. must go to therapy right now. This woman is not replacing you. Like, this woman is now going to be part of your family. Like, you are. Yeah. What a woman, Jill. I want to meet her. Yeah. Oh, she was, she was so many questions. Scary. <laughs> yeah. But, and judgmental. Like, like, yeah. I, oh my God. The chatterbox you know, thing blew my mind. <laughs> and the like, oh, well, you're pretty little blonde. Just kept like attributing it to that. Like you. Oh, like, okay. Catherine, don't be. <laughs> <laughs> of course. That For listeners, like, Kat is a like, pretty little blonde. Uh, <laughs> she's a little sensitive like, about don't it. Don't judge okay. her for that. You know, like you have no idea her story and you don't know, but like, of course you judge her for being a pretty little blonde. Like, come <laughs> on now. Rude. Jill, you're, you're welcome to my Thanksgiving dinner because I want to ask you some questions. <laughs> yeah, that was horrific. But yeah. I just, I think there's something about Kevin that draws Jasmine in and is right for her. Um, and I think that her sort of ultra communicative ways are good for him. And I think it's a, it's a really good potential partnership. And even though he's not my taste, I think that he they're I think they're a pretty good match. Um, so I, I'm all in on the, she should pick Kevin train. And then I also want Mikkel to be bachelor partly so that his heart just isn't sadly broken and end of story. Oh yeah. Remember like how his mom talked about his heartbreak. Like that is, I, I want him to be the bachelor so I can like watch that family. I want them to be. They were great. Really great. The dad, like, so like that was great TV. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you. I, I think it's, it's going to be Kevin. I think, you know, they've done everything they can to try to give Mikkel a fair shot. Um, and he is so wonderful and likable. You know, he's like a, like a Ben where it's like, you keep him around cause you, you want your heart to choose him. You know, yeah. he's the, he would probably be the safe choice, but there's something about Kevin that just, um, excites her. The one moment that confused me and I, this was the probably one of the only moments where I really didn't like, or I, I thought Jasmine was a little irresponsible was in the, date in cuba where she had to remind kevin that michael yeah. was still around that was thought, weird yeah i thought he handled that was one of my favorite moments from him there was a couple moments during the season where i thought oh, i think there's more to kevin than meets the eye first Certainly. of all captain canada how yep. the boys respect him so much there's something there um how he kind of uh you know distrew with the second uh, date card just yep. you know in a, in a slight way but saying like that wasn't cool man and you know I think there's like a a, a weird 
softy inside of him. And, and like you said, like I'm not attracted to him, but I, I think that they could be a good, good match. Yeah. And I thought that his reaction to that, um, that question or, or I didn't, I didn't even understand, like, what was the purpose of saying that Jasmine? Of course he knows. Is it just to, you know, make him, I don't know. What do you think? What was your, what were your thoughts? Well, um, I, I thought a lot about Caitlin and Sean when that happened, because you remember Caitlin's whole thing was, um, she had snuck into, it was actually Ben and Sean's room, um, fairly early in the process and had some one-on-one off camera time with Sean and she had told him she was going to pick him. Um, and she shouldn't have done that for a bunch of reasons. It was obviously against production rules, but mostly, um, as she started to get towards the end and she started to think, well, maybe I won't pick him. Um, it was a real problem that he felt very entitled and very protective of his relationship with her and had started to think of the process as something that they had to get through in order to get to their relationship. Um, which I actually think is sort of the right mentality in terms of surviving the process. Um, But I also think that if she wants to keep that door open to um, either of the other guys, because was it, oh, it was Mikkel, it was just Mikkel at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. But if she wants to keep that door open, she wants to sort of prepare him for the idea that it might not be him. Um, but yeah, I thought that moment was very weird. I She did not need to say it, and she certainly did not need to say it in that way. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if she was maybe told to say that, but what it was, but she, it, I, I thought that was very strange. Yeah, I thought maybe it was like uh, like her insecurity coming out or something of like he felt so confident and maybe oh. she maybe she needed some sort of affirmation or something of, like, you know, I, I actually was baffled because I, I often find her pretty, uh, pretty you know, like fair and kind. And that I just thought, oh, you like, <laughs> seems yeah. like something I would do in a bad way. It's like, why are you asking him this question? Like, he obviously he knows. And why are you reminding him? And he could have been really upset by that. But I thought the way he handled it was actually quite beautiful. Of like, yeah, that is really hard. And and uh, but I'm still here and I'm going to see it through and yeah. my heart's yours. I was like, that's oh. a very generous thing to say to someone who's just like, just to remind you, I care a lot about somebody else, which, yeah. you know, if somebody had said that to me, I think I would have been really hurt. Um, I wonder if and- it was a power thing. Like, cause I think, cause Mikkel lets her have all the power in the relationship. And I wonder if she is feeling a little bit like Kevin doesn't let her have the power. And, um, which I think is something she finds appealing most of the time, but maybe she's, it's starting to wear on her and she just wanted to sort of twist the knife a little bit. The like, wait, no, I'm in charge. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just remind him like, you could lose me. Like, uh, yeah. And, and part of me felt like she, made it seem to me that like she is really more into him by asking these weird questions of like I don't know it's it was just I just thought it was pretty unfair on her part like it's a tricky situation for them both to be in and I think they're both handling it as well as you can expect um you know obviously how could you not be jealous Speaking of jealous, what do you think of the fights that Kevin and, and Jasmine are having? God. Oh my god. Um well well yeah, I don't know. I, I think that they're par for the course for if you're going to pick a Kevin type. Um, you'll remember Sean did a lot of the same stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think someone like Kevin 
isn't used to not being in control and not being totally confident and not um, sort of knowing he's the top dog. And especially because the, the other finalist is not a fellow alpha male, it's sort of got a bit of that like, well, if she's really into him, I'm not as confident that she's into me because we're so different. Um, mm-hmm. And that sort of thing comes up a lot too. Um, I do think she gets quite, when he f- gets a little bit um, aggressive with his, like the, remember their very first fight, um, he just was like telling her that he was feeling jealous and she immediately flipped out on him. And mm-hmm. then I think he's someone who, if she flips out and he's already a little upset, he loses all ability to like talk her down and, and communicate and just leaves and flips out. <laughs> um, so I don't know that that bodes super well, but I do think that it's just a facet of being with Kevin and uh, the fact that they've worked through at this point, three conflicts Um I think it bodes somewhat well for their ability to weather such storms in the future, because I do think that's just a part of who he is. And who she is. Like, I think they bring it out in each other and I think they kind of must like it, you know, like that kind of hot tempered thing, even how she, she said in the mental all, like with Mike, like part of that was lacking was that kind of like passion. And I think in some ways, like the drama, you know, I think there's something kind of appealing of that Kevin, like, your mind and the drama of it for her, you know, like the kind of overwhelming passion that they have when they are fighting. And man, I wish I could know what they were fighting about in their fantasy suite, but weirdly, maybe that's just something about my like dysfunctional relationships, but I find it, I found that fight like really, I I don't know. Like I either thought it was going to break them and he was going to go home or it showed that, like, they really do care about each other and they're willing to kind of go there with each other. Because, like, she wouldn't talk like that with Kevin P because it's like they didn't have that kind of investment in yeah. each other, you know? Like, it was like, he really cares. And that's yeah scary for both of them, you know? And, like, yeah, he's coming against his alpha male and the biggest man in the room kind of thing. But I think it's also he, like, I really care about you and to me, you're my girlfriend. So this is really strange that you give a rose to somebody else because you're actually my girlfriend, which is part of his kind of confidence, maybe cockiness. Uh, but I also think it's just that he's, he's like really invested in her and kind of has been steadfast from the beginning of like, this is my, this is my girl. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think generally, um, I think that bodes well, the the sort of almost possessiveness which sounds broken um but the uh that sort of the investment and the feeling strongly about her at this point I think that apathy is probably the biggest issue um and that's definitely not the case with Kevin do you think it bodes well or not well for the for whether or not he gets dumped next week the fact that Instagram tells us he has now cut his hair (gasps) yep he looks so much better I did not (laughs) <laughs> he looks so much better. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to listen to it as soon as this is over. Because um, that hair is a problem. It's a real it's a problem. Because <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, is he good looking? And then the hair, all I see is hair. Yeah. Um, I think that only assures me that they are together. Because okay. our dear hairstylist friend um, went had a few nice conversations and decided, my sweet new fiance, probably, <laughs> you need to cut your hair. 
and we're all grateful. Thank you, Jasmine. So now do you like Jasmine now that you know that she's probably helped helped harness the the true beauty of of Kevin? Well, I will I will say that that sort of putting that amount of positivity out in the world really is uh, an important <laughs> thing. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, so you, if they don't pick Mikkel, do you think there's anyone else in this cast that they should pick for Bachelor? (laughs) Ooh, I don't think Kyle would be a great Bachelor, but if it was like a one-on-one always just with me, like that sounds like a good (laughs) time, but I'm not sure that that like works with the franchise, but, uh, Ooh, let me think about this. Uh, I'm just kind of going... I'm not sure. I don't think Mike would be that great of a bachelor, to be, be perfectly boring. honest. I, I think he's wonderful and kind, but I just think, I don't know. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be, he'll he'll meet someone and be really happy, but uh, I, I don't know if uh, that's the right thing for him. I mean, Kevin, Kevin, uh, Kevin P is pretty interesting. He is, but I he doesn't Mike... want to settle down, so it's kind of a waste. Yeah, True. But I think he wants he wants to settle down with somebody. He doesn't want to settle down with a place. That's what I sort of understood. Yeah, that's because, true, I guess. So, like, you know, with for the right person, that kind of lifestyle could be really exciting. I mean, it would be hard. Like, I don't think, I don't think I could handle that of like you know traveling all the time. But yeah, I think Mikkel probably is the only one that would make a really. Yeah, I, th- I think it would probably be Mikkel um, and or. Kevin's pretty damn good looking. Those so, harder question, and I should have given you a warning about this one. Oh no! Who from the Toronto theater community would make the best <laughs> bachelor or bachelorette? Would be a great bachelor or bachelorette. Yeah. Who do you think they should pick if they had to pick like somebody from Toronto theater? Oof. Right. Or you? This... Let's do you. <laughs> What do you mean? Well, I think you I should be the bachelorette. I think that'd be fun. No, I would be terrible. I would be so terrible. They would quickly realize that behind this little blonde is <laughs> boring and crippling, crippling social anxiety. So no, but that's uh, that can be interesting. Like um, Ashley <laughs> was like paralyzed with fear the entire time, and it was very compelling. <laughs> True, you can like kind of relate in a different way. Yeah. Oh man, that's a really, I mean, there's people I would like to see, but I'm not sure they would like a Tony Napo. Oh my God. I mean, he's, he's so, he's so in love and it, I would never ever want that to change. But, um, I mean, he's so interesting and funny. <laughs> uh, I, people seem to be pretty like shacked up. So yeah, that's true. I mean, Who do you think? I don't know. I would want to pick like, like, like a mover and shaker from indie, like, mm-hmm. like maybe one of the storefront people. Oh yeah. Or like a bad dog person. Oh, Claire Burns would be like. Mm. That'd be She's... good. <laughs> like that would be a great season. Yeah, like some some sort of like rough and tumble, like a mo- like a mover and shaker in indie who's like I build sets and then I go out there and I do the show and then I take down the set and like yeah, Kelly really Reed, Kelly Reed would also be so good. Yeah, 
let's get let's get thinking about this right i was very so the the, the casting i make a lot of money so i can <laughs> i can fund this the casting director of uh big brother canada was tweeting about looking for contestants and i was like i have places for you to go because they're the following people would be so good on big brother canada from toronto theater um the the theater scene in edmonton and then i talked to anyone who's actually from edmonton in that theater scene and they're like we have never heard of joel (laughs) really yeah like they're like I know everyone who does theater here, and I've never heard of Joel. Oh. And remember how it was like, like they they shot him singing Rent? <laughs> Anyways. Oh, who knows? that's funny. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah, because, I mean, there's always, there's always people that you don't know, I guess. But maybe he's from, maybe it was from his high school production. <laughs> who knows? Who- um, so, if you had to go on any any reality show, which would you pick? Ooh. Oh, uh, I mean, like, the amazing races seem fun because you're, like, traveling, but it also seems incredibly stressful. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Big Brothers, I've always thought, would be, like, like interesting because I think the thing I'm most interested in is uh, human beings. And so you sort of see, like, human beings at their worst and at their finest, and you could have a lot of time to have, you know, really interesting chats. I agree, uh, so but they make you wear funny costumes. Yeah, exactly. And and we all know I love my funny costumes. Pro- you know, it might be like a bachelor or bachelorette. Like, I don't know. I think it would be like career suicide to do any of those. But, uh, yeah. No. Um, it would. People would totally... Because Charlene, her opera career has actually gone better since uh, doing The Bachelorette. Or Bachelor. Charlene performed at Soul Pepper. I know. I didn't see it. She was in the um the the one the Voyager, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and she was great. And it was like, I was like Char- Charlene because I, I I'm a super fan of hers and her blog and and what she's about. So I was sort of like fangirling as I was watching her. Did you meet her after? I I was uh. I did not for a couple reasons. The like main and most honest re- reason would be I was too shy. <laughs> but I could That's say like, oh, I had other things to do, which I also did, but I could have easily um, not gone to rehearsal. I could have easily just stayed, and uh, but I was just too shy. Uh, yeah, that story of my life. I never say hi to anybody. Uh, <laughs> well, yep. just so you know, the correct answer to the reality show question is Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> looks like so much fun you learn actual skills um it just looks like so much fun it looks like fun and it looks like fun um and you yeah you get to like learn how to dance and people it's not embarrassing like people don't ever come off as silly on that show like they look like they're fun but I think everybody for the most part once they do Dancing with the Stars is more popular than when they and like taken just as seriously as when they did it when they before they did it um and everybody seems to come off it saying that they had just like the greatest time and that not like it wasn't stress like it was a little stressful but it was like mostly fun and really like life affirming and then you get to be friends with your pro and the pros are amazing um yeah no I would I Dancing with the Stars is the correct answer (laughs) 
is the correct answer. I'm so sorry, Alex. For Back, everyone. Like, I didn't know. <laughs> For I didn't know. Um, I didn't know we were going so broad because if I would have, then my answer would have been unquestionably without a, even one sliver of doubt, RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> Obviously, I could not go on as a drag queen. Um, I mean, I could, but I don't, I have not practiced that art, that beautiful <laughs> art form of drag. But to just like be around that culture, oh, I am like the biggest fan and do you watch it no i don't oh kelly start tonight like <laughs> good say goodbye to your your social life and say hello to the uh, rewarding beautiful uh like start start seriously start season two don't even like i'm i i like i'm overwhelmed i can't i'm verklempt i can't even say anything because i just i'm so excited for you to explore this New world. It is so moving and funny. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. I think it's we've gone an hour and a half now, so I think we'd better wrap it up. Do you have any upcoming plug projects to plug and your social media and all that? You know, I'm a okay. Does that make me a, a loser? But I'm just like, I, I was just happy to be here and happy to uh, to talk to you and and um, no no plugging. Do you want to do your social media? I don't even have social media. Is that Facebook? What? Like Twitter and Instagram <laughs> yeah, and where Twitter. people can find you to follow you and read your thoughts on what's happening on The Bachelorette Canada. This is it. What? You need, baby girl. <laughs> you need you need a Twitter account. So well, my do so I want my sixth grade hotmail. Like <laughs> um cool I... cat three thousand. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so I so our our company Twitter account, which everyone you can follow at my ent world, um, is my I tweet from it pretty exclusively. Uh, sometimes the other writers do as well, but it's mostly me. And it's uh, we tweet out all of our articles, and then other than all of our articles, it's almost entirely my thoughts on reality TV. <laughs> so it's just like. And this time last year, we did a big reading series in Toronto with new plays and things. And our marketing person, Monique Renault, uh, sent out all this amazing, like, uh, artist promotion and stuff coming from the Twitter. And it was just, like, peppered in with, like, I think so-and-so is going to win Survivor this year. <laughs> and it was, like, half of this is not coming from Kelly. We can tell. <laughs> coming from someone official. Um, but yeah, so for all of our general thoughts, but especially reality TV thoughts, follow at my Aunt world on Twitter. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and obviously on the website at myentertainmentworld.ca, not com, CA. Uh, subscribe on iTunes and also check on, check out our Patreon account. We're doing a big uh, fundraising goal right now to try and raise patronage to pay our writers more. 90% of all patron funds go straight to our writing staff. Um, so help them out. Go over to patreon.com slash myantworld and uh, donate for as little as a dollar a month. And there are tons of great rewards and perks for doing that. So thanks so much for listening. And uh, say bye, Kat. Bye.